Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Soul Searching Podcast, except it's not really an episode of the Soul Searching Podcast, because that's the podcast where I sit down with my friend Chris, and we talk about the most recent episode of AMC's Breaking Bad spinoff, Better Call Saul. And uh, Chris is not available. He's actually been dealing with some health issues that have prevented him from recording anything about season five of the show. And um, right now, I wouldn't even think of bothering him with something as trivial or as frivolous or as whimsical as a pop culture podcast while he is working on getting better. But that doesn't mean I didn't have thoughts about this show and that I wasn't just kind of walking around the house talking to my, my pets about the implications. So I thought I got to find some way to get these thoughts out. And I just went right in my mind to my friend, Steve Ritter, uh, who is co-host along with uh, Ronald James of a long running movie podcast I do called Movie Schmovie. You can find that anywhere you look for podcasts. But Steve is a fan of Better Call Saul, and I knew this, and we had talked about it several times throughout the season, just kind of saying, oh my God, what a, what a show. And so I thought, why not bring him in for a quick recap of season five, just to kind of kick around maybe what we learned over these last 10 episodes. So with that, here is Steve Ritter with me, Talking Saul. I kind of had the feeling that this was the season where they, they, they told the stories that if you had thought, if you'd heard they were doing this show and you'd heard that Mike was going to be on it and you'd heard that, you know, Gus was going to be on it eventually, this is, this was the season that was kind of the show that you might've imagined because Jimmy's everyday life stuff was, was merging with the, the drug cartel stuff that was putting him on this track to become Saul in a way that's much more specific than just him changing his name or 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 what have you did you get that sense and and what were your expectations when you heard they were doing this show it's a good question i mean i guess i mean if i'm being honest like i never once thought that it would be a show that i think when it ends if i if i did the math right i think it may end up having like one more episode than breaking bad so it's like crazy to think that you know what i had initially thought would have been like some kind of spin-off that maybe wasn't something I was super interested in mainly just because like you know you know where the character ends up so what's what's interesting in between that or before that but the way that they've kind of laid this character out and kind of made or or kind of like watched the transformation of how different Saul was or Jimmy was uh from episode 1 season 1 to where you see him now at the end of the 5th season it's just kind of crazy to see I think that may have been like what turned some people off, like when the show started, and and some people like don't love the first couple seasons, which I, I've been a fan since it started for sure. But I mean, these last couple have really kind of kicked in, and really kind of become some of the best TV that there is out there right now. But in general, I think when the series started, I, I really didn't know where it was going because I because the the person that you met in that first episode was so different than Saul Goodman and. You just kind of didn't know how long it was going to take them to get to a point where you start to see um, characters or plot points or even just mainly him, that character, that, that change from from Jimmy to Saul. And, uh, you know, especially in these last two or three episodes, it's been pretty, you know, pretty amazing to see what. Bob Odenkirk's done with that character and what the characters around him have been able to do because of the changes that he's been making as a character. 
I think Bob Odenkirk was the main reason I was super jazzed for this show, because I just had this sense that he could strut his stuff, kind of, and show people what he was capable of. Because I had always felt like he was a little underrated from Mr. Show, that a lot of people came out of that seemingly thinking that David Cross was the super funny one, and that Bob Odenkirk was kind of just another guy. And it took a while for Bob Odenkirk to get this role. And I mean, what an amazing role for a, for a comic actor to get... Saul Goodman in the first place, where you get to basically turn it up to 11 yeah. and yet fit in with a reality that is very well established. And I thought the way he played that character was so indelible that I, I believed there was a show, but the show I pictured was was almost like a, a weekly case of the week type thing where yeah. nutty clients come in. Yeah. And I think that that show could have existed and it would have been fun. Um, this season kind of had a taste of that. There were a few moments, there was a great montage of him in the courthouse just wheeling and dealing and you see how he would get busy done as a slightly ethical lawyer you know as that he would actually help the little guy a little bit with his with his shadiness um, but this season has definitely shown how that can quickly get pulled away from from uh, against his will really uh, from that kind of slightly more innocuous existence into this this drug cartel situation that he is in I'm beginning to kind of try to draw a line and decide what I think the real differences are between the Jimmy that we have now at the end of season five and the Jimmy that we have on Breaking Bad it's getting awfully close I would say on Breaking Bad he's a little bit more hardened but he's not without that spark and I kind of feel that the transition next year almost has to be about him settling into his his uh, getting becoming more comfortable in his skin as Saul Goodman um, and right. not being quite so rattled. Because at the end of the season, Jimmy is very rattled by what has happened out in the desert with the cartel. And there's yep. so much great stuff to talk about that we don't have time to really get into. But uh, I think I've shared with you my theory that the Jimmy that went into the desert was Jimmy. Uh, you know, this is the final transformation, if there really needs to be one, where the, the guy who collapses in the desert is Jimmy and the guy who gets up and drinks his piss and then like takes the lead and drags those bags, uh, that's Saul, you know? And so yeah. it was the first time I began to consider that maybe Saul Goodman is not just the id of Jimmy McGill and the kind of trickster spirit, but that actually it's like a suit of armor for him. It kind of lets him be tough, uh, which you're right. That transformation is not something I thought would take this many seasons and be this interesting. Do you wonder if maybe those showrunners are just kind of locked into that pace that it's almost like they got to a certain point, maybe somewhere in season two and they said, Oh my God, if we stick to our guns and and maintain this pace, we can't get to this for another couple seasons. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way the, the pacing of those first couple seasons, I think that may have been too stark of a a change. And I think it's, I mean, you know, as a fan of the show, I I'm all about, you know, more and more and more because it's given us an opportunity to, you know, kind of meet these other characters that we didn't know from Breaking Bad and kind of, you know, fall in love with or, you know, learn to despise or whatever, wherever you fall on a spectrum for each one, but just some really layered characters who, um, you know, just something I was thinking about when you asked to talk about it was like the more this season went on and, and especially where the season ends, it's kind of been interesting to see how... Um, You've kind of like taken characters that we knew from Breaking Bad and watched those characters kind of mirror and be like the other side of of some of, of, of three of the newest characters that we're kind of traveling with through the Better Call Saul run with Mike and, you know, uh, Nacho and Kim and Saul and, 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 and Gus and, and, and Lalo. It's just it's been really kind of cool to see those characters really kind of 
in some ways become like the most interesting characters in the series, if if not this season. And, you know, watch how their transformations or their circumstances have, you know, what mark that leaves on the characters that we know from Breaking Bad, you know, and, and where those characters end up in this series run. But um, I don't know. It's been really cool to kind of watch that. And I think that like these last, like especially the last three or four episodes, you know, what those three, you know, with Nacho, Kim and, and Lalo, like just where those characters are, what impact they're going to have on, you know, on on things that ripple into the Breaking Bad universe, you know, into the future. But um, most importantly, just kind of the ultimate impact they have on Saul Goodman. And, and, and like you said before, it does seem like, you know, that desert experience did mark a pretty stark change in, in who that person is. But it also seemed to be a point where, like, he kind of, like, lost the ability to do... Uh, well, maybe not lost, but, like, kind of realized that he wasn't able to kind of get himself out of everything by himself. And and in the episodes that follow, you really kind of see how Mike was a really big reason that he got out of something. Or Kim is a really big reason why he gets out of something. Like, his ability is questioned. And, like, I think that he's kind of hit a limit or hit a wall that he's going to have to kind of overcome. And, and you know... I guess the, the the next season, however it's presented, um, it'd be interesting to see how they get from that to the character that we, we, we kind of know. Well, for that, they get credit for this very brutal depiction of trauma. The way that Bob Odenkirk plays the aftermath of that shootout in the desert is pure shock. And even though it becomes a sort of comic thing, this, this adventure in the desert where Mike is this guy who just kind of knows the right thing to do and he's sort of tough-minded about it and he just keeps on going and jimmy who's actually reckoning with the bizarre i guess we should start calling him saul but he still feels like jimmy to me in in many ways but he's reckoning with his fate in a way that's very you know outspoken and he's kind of whining and you can almost see that mike would be like just turn around and pop this guy and get the money and be done for sure but no he, for whatever reason, has a little bit of compassion for Jimmy. He sees him as kind of, and I, I too, in this episode, began to see Jimmy a little bit as an innocent who had kind of, through his own foolishness, gotten himself in way over his head. And I felt bad for whatever was left of that sort of innocence that got squeezed out of him. But what I was not expecting was that the next two episodes would deal so honestly with him, as you said, kind of losing his mojo, but that's a, that's a glib way to say he's traumatized and he's got some form of PTSD. Yeah. So, so Mike saves his life in the desert. Then Kim saves his life in the apartment in one of the best scenes that the show's ever done. Yeah. And then at the very end, he's kind of reacting to Kim, who pulls a switcheroo on the end of season four. If you'll remember the end of season four, Jimmy has just won everybody over with his story about Chuck, and he kind of talks about everything. To You know, it's in his uh, hearing to get his license back, and Kim is moved by his his story, and then it turns out that was all a sham, and he he surprises her with what a wolf he is, you know, Um, because he instantly is changing his name. He doesn't give a shit about the McGill name. All that stuff he said about Chuck was for the suckers, you know, and she has this shocked look on her face wondering who it is she's in a relationship with and jimmy at the end of this season has that same moment towards kim and we have that moment towards kim however i've been saying all along like what if kim turns out to be a part of the saul goodman universe and not somebody who has to be 
gone by the time that era starts. I feel like people have constantly labored under the the assumption that Kim has to be like out of the picture for Breaking Bad to happen. But if you think about it, we never saw anything personal about Saul. We don't know if he has a friend or a mastermind behind him or someone who advises him. I mean, she could be the consigliare to the consigliare, you know? Wow. There's a lot of ways that Kim could be active. She could even be in prison the way that she's going right now. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have my own theories about why I don't think they will kill Kim and why I don't think she's marked for death. But so many people have talked about her like she's going to be the sacrificial lamb of this show. I think that in many ways Chuck was. Um, and I think in many ways Nacho might be. Nacho, yeah. But you you know the line, right? I guess we, we have to address this. The, the, the show is inching towards one of the few bits of backstory we knew about Saul when we met him on Breaking Bad. And you know the line I'm about to refer to. Yeah. Where they're out in the desert. And it's it's one of the early scenes with Saul. And, and Walt and Jesse have taken uh, uh, Saul out to the desert. And they're wearing masks. And he doesn't know who's who's got him yet. And he's he's doing everything he can to bargain for his life. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't me. It was Ignacio. He's the one. And then when he kind of picks up on the fact that they don't know what he's talking about, he says, uh, Lalo didn't send you? No Lalo? <laughs> <laughs> and so those those two lines were sort of hanging over the creators of this show when they said, well, we're going to start to bring in characters that might be part of that Saul Goodman backstory, that mythology. So we kind of, when we met Lalo, it was very much like a puzzle piece fallen into place. Yeah. When we met Nacho, it was at the beginning of this show, and it was sort of like, oh, yeah, you can connect it to that line. Nacho is a nickname for Ignacio. And then they became very pointed about that being his name. I think that that we've got assumptions now, which is that at the time of Breaking Bad, Jimmy slash Saul thinks that Lalo is alive because right. he thinks Lalo would send people for him. He may think Nacho is alive, but he may not. He could, I, I started to think, why would he throw Nacho under the bus like that? Right. Right. Um, well, maybe if he thinks Nacho is dead, but people don't know that Nacho is dead, maybe he believes it doesn't hurt anything to throw Nacho under the bus. Because I still believe that Jimmy McGill is in there inside and that he wouldn't throw someone under the bus with, <laughs> with the cartel if, if he thought some, some harm could come to them. But maybe we're going to see at the end of this show that Saul really is that, that hard. What do you think about that? And, and what do you think about the way the show has been on this track all along to kind of build up to that line? And we are actually now at a point where you're almost there. It feels like Jimmy... Jimmy McGill and Kim could basically spend all their days now being afraid of Lalo because he's out there and they know that they came so close to evading him and that he's going to think of them as pretty, they're pretty much on the chain of people that duped him. I mean, that's it. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, that's a really great uh, theory that you have and it makes total sense. And it's kind of, it is kind of crazy that it's taken to this point, but you know, with only... Th- is it, is it is it 13 episodes left? Is that what the next season is going to be? Yeah, there's going to be a 13-episode sixth season sometime. It was supposed to come out next year, but who knows now with production being delayed right, and everything. Right, right, But right now, I think the writers would be working anyway, so maybe they're still working from their, from their uh, vacation homes. Um, I don't know. But... Uh, um, Writers are known to live as opulently as as kings, right? That's what that's the truth. <laughs> but no, I think that when they gave that thirteen episode number, that's what's left. It felt like it's both going to bring it in line, as you said, with the number of episodes of Breaking Bad, which was kind of their intention or their expectation. But also, it feels like they must have some kind of plan in mind for what those episodes might contain in them, because they have been sort of building towards something all these years with 
the the constant reminder of of his future after Breaking Bad, which has always brought into question what is the ultimate story of Jimmy McGill. Oh yeah, definitely. Does he rise from the ashes or, or is he vanquished? Like Gene has always been this tantalizing addition to this piece, and not knowing what happens to Kim and continuing that mystery into the future, I think that has made her one of the more compelling figures on the show for, uh, for many reasons that we find her compelling, but one of them is definitely that her fate is up in the air. And Chuck's was as well, but he's gone. Yeah. Don't you think they get too much credit for how strong of a character Kim is to treat her as like, oh, if we kill her, that will add to the tragedy of Jimmy? And do you think Jimmy needs that level of tragedy? D- doesn't it seem like if Kim died somehow because of this stuff that it would make him so dark that he wouldn't be embracing the fun of being Saul Goodman? I think so, yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I, that, that might be like a breaking point, um, like beyond where he's already been and is currently at. I think that, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I can kind of see it going both ways. I mean, that, that can also be something that just like, you know, scares the shit out of you. And like, basically you're committed to a thing that you don't want to do anymore. And I mean, that's kind of, you know, th- that last scene with them in the, in the hotel, it's like, there's like a, there's like a really, I don't know, there's something to that shot of, of him just like staring at her and, you know, with what she's suggesting and kind of getting this this read off of her that either what he's done to her or what's kind of been in her all along and her willingness to cooperate with his ideas now and even come up with her own that are in line with things that he would do. Um, I don't know. I, I could see it going either way, to be honest with you. But you're right, though. I mean, she she is... I mean, arguably, arguably the best character of this series, and it would it would be interesting for it to not play into the expectation that you know she has to die uh, to kind of bring this series to an end. It, it more so feels like maybe Nacho is that character because he is the tie to Breaking Bad, and and they've done a great job at the end of this season, really building up that drama, that that kind of suspense. And all that, all those scenes at that home, um, you know, him kind of deciding whether or not he's going to go out that back gate. It's just like a really great scene with him and Lalo and all that, all that stuff. And in and, and that, in that scene was just, I thought great. And like, just the idea of like, you know, Lalo kind of being so much more ahead of people in his planning and just like his ability, his ability to kind of just adapt and survive in that situation is just kind of bonkers and he has a way out of of all these situations and you know they kind of joke with him about paying the gringos earlier um you know to get out of prison and he's down there and he's in a situation where he's basically you know almost guaranteed to be killed and you know he has a way out and not only does he have a way out he has a way to get out to be able to go back in and kill everybody and that's just like so fucking vicious and it's brutal and it's just like that character is is that and it, i i just really like what they've done with that character over the season and just kind of that performance has been great all the way through the season and it just it makes me scared to death for nacho <laughs> that level of menace with a smile is really cool yeah. I, I did want to ask you what you thought of lalo and i guess i just heard your basic take but the way that you're you, you have that name from breaking bad that i don't even think that was like a big line that people talked about but when you go back to this show and you, you introduce nacho it's like well wait who's lalo then have we heard about lalo where is he coming right. from and then we meet him and he's this different thing we haven't seen yet he's not tuco he's not 
Hector. He's not the cousins. He's not uh, Nacho. He's not Crazy Eight. He's not Gus Fring. You know, he's not anything we've seen before. And he's got this charm and this wit and this, he maintains eye contact so painfully in some situations. Um, uh, but like, yeah, he has established himself as this force to be reckoned with. I've heard the creators of the show say that Gus Fring is playing chess and Lalo is playing checkers. And I saw that the actor who plays Lalo, Tony Dalton, said something really interesting. He said, when you're playing the character, if you hear the creator of the show say that you're playing checkers and you think, wait a minute, I thought I was playing chess, you know, and I definitely saw that this episode, the finale. I mean, I got to say the way they ended that episode put you so much in his head um, that it was the first time I saw like, wait a minute, now Nacho, the moral balance of what Nacho has been involved with. It's like, well, Lalo lost someone who was very dear to him. I think it was a maid that uh, worked at his place. I didn't get the impression that he had much family there. It seemed like he had a lot of employees there. But I may have missed some of that stuff. I don't know if you had a clear picture of who all those people were. But clearly, uh, uh, Nacho did try to protect the innocents by saying to the person on the phone that he was dealing with, please don't shoot these these people that just work here. And there's a couple of old people he specifically said, leave them alone. Yeah, Yolanda. But it's a weak defense uh, of Yolanda. <laughs> it, uh, to say, um, just, hey, by the way, try not to kill her and then leave. You know, like it is on Nacho a little bit, but we also recognize that Nacho is between a rock and a hard place. Going into the next season, we can see him as the, a guy you will be very, very worried about every time you see him on screen because at some point, Gus won't have his back anymore. That's at least the way I see it, that Gus will, he needed him until he wasn't useful anymore. And now that plan is done. Um, what I thought was cool about that was that that plan was in motion for the last few episodes and we didn't know it from the side of the people that were planning it. We knew that Gus had something in mind. We knew that Mike was facilitating the the bail money being delivered on time and all that stuff. But we didn't quite know what was happening. Yeah. And Jimmy in the yeah. last episode reflected that by going to Mike and and saying, you know, hey, tell me what's going on. Who, who did I just help, you know, and who did I just piss off and, and all of that. And I, I like the way that Mike recognizes in Jimmy that he's worried about Kim the way that Mike worries about his his, his uh, granddaughter and daughter-in-law. And I think we can see what the bedrock of whatever relationship those characters might have next season might be, that they do sort of share this this window into this world that Jimmy is not happy to be part of. Um, they could almost not have any problem with the cartel next year, though, but just be afraid of Lalo all year because it seems like what Kim is planning could get them embroiled in a, in a war with... I mean, I almost could see Schweikart and Clifford Maine and Harry Hamlin uh, or Howard Hamlin kind of teaming up <laughs> to crush Wexler uh, Goodman, you know, yeah. or, yeah. And, and, and to me that feels like that storyline yeah. could almost keep them busy with lawyerly stuff all season and not even have Jimmy have to dip his toe too much further in drug stuff um, in order to get to the end of the season. But I, I think there has to be some reckoning for Jimmy because like you said, uh, Mike saved his life and Kim saved his life. When, when's he gonna, When's he going to save his life? Right. Like, th- there's got to be that that triumphant moment of uh, you know him him talking his way out of trouble, which has always been some of the best stuff. One of the scenes that, like, in terms of connecting to Breaking Bad, I wanted to get your take on uh, Kim's uh, overflow requests from the police department, uh, specifically the juvenile files. <laughs> yeah, it was hard not to think that they might be teasing something that might pop up next year. But it's it, but again, it's very hard to know where any of that might go because yeah. actors have aged. And we did get El Camino, the movie that that did return us to 
to you know we did get to see more Walt and more Jesse. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious how much next season's going to overlap with uh, with the Breaking Bad days. I, I think it would be pretty cool if they if they pull off the trick of it somehow overlapping. Yeah. And yet not completely overlapping. Like, I don't think they want to get too cute with Walt dashing out the door. <laughs> but a, a scene or two that overlaps, and there's a, a moment where we can tell we're seeing Saul leaving a moment that we know. Like, he left a scene that we saw, but we're seeing what he did after that moment. Yeah, yeah. I could see that kind of being fun. And I could see Kim hanging in there as his advisor or as someone who pushes him towards certain crazy schemes. Like, I don't think it, there's any reason to think that Kim has to be sidelined or, like, that she is somehow a victim victim of Saul. I think that that is a key thing they're not doing is making her story like subservient to Saul's story. So next year she could really be doing this crazy thing. Um, do you think there's any, uh, uh, validity to her feelings about Howard? Uh, or do you think she's just got this weird bug up her ass about him? Because I do think Howard could be seen as a very smug fake guy, but I took him as genuine when he came to Jimmy at the beginning of the season and said, would like to have you on. Like I took him as trying to make amends, even if he's a little, he's a little cheesy about it, getting like a namaste, uh, uh, license plate, but that's just him. I feel like he really was trying to do what was right in the wake of Chuck's passing and and it's almost like it's a, it was a little pathetic that Jimmy couldn't see it for the kindness that it was, you know? Let me tell you something. The job offer, it didn't upset me. It amused me. <sighs> Big job at the illustrious HHM. Chance to play at the palace. A little old me. You have no idea what's going on. You're a teensy tiny man in a teensy weensy little bubble. Oh, Jimmy. Oh, don't you fucking old Jimmy me. You look down on me, you pity me. Walk away. That's right, Howard. You know why I didn't take the job? Because it's too small. I don't care about it. It's nothing to me. It's a bacterium. I travel in worlds you can't even imagine. You can't conceive of what I'm capable of. I'm so far beyond you. I'm like a god in human clothing. Lightning bolts shoot from my fingertips. No, I agree with you. Yeah, no, I definitely took that as genuine. And I guess, yeah, I think Kim just kind of, you know, they just have it. She just has it out for him. Well, she has a history enough with, with Hamlin where she thinks he was probably kind of a, a preening asshole. And, and she has been through this turn of events. And so probably when, when Howard came to her complaining about Jimmy throwing a bowling ball at his car, she was thinking and balancing that against a shootout in the desert, you know, and she was thinking, yeah. fuck you. You know, you don't know what's been happening at all. Um but I did sort of find that to be like, that was a real turn when she kind of laughed in his face. Uh, but I've seen her play moments like that as though she's going to laugh in the face of, who, of whoever is coming to her about Jimmy. But then when she goes off by herself, you, you sense some degree of, wait, what the fuck is Jimmy doing? You know, but this time she was kind of ahead of Howard. She knows more. Right, right. Um, yeah, I'm really intrigued by what that, what that means. If she's really reached this tipping point or if next season's going to pick up and she's going to be, you know, achieving some kind of balance. Because it really kind of seems like she's like set on this crazy scheme that sounds very mean-spirited but what she said oh well, well a career setback for one lawyer and creating work for all these other people like you could see her reasoning that that was the logic yeah was worth doing but jimmy yeah recognizes it somehow somehow he's the one who's saying wait that that's a little mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting 
what do you think the end of this show might be? If we bear in mind that Walter White died in a pool of his own blood, looking up at uh, a meth operation that kind of mirrored his own expertise. And he had this kind of pleasant moment of accomplishment at the end of this really dark turn in his life. And maybe even was a, redeemed a little bit because he helped free Jesse. And then Jesse has a moment of actual escape. He's got no connections. He's got no body, but he manages to drive north and, and achieve some level of freedom. And we believe that might be the last time we see him. So where do you think this creative team wants to leave uh, Jimmy Miguel slash Saul Goodman? Like what, what, what kind of fate has he earned? I don't think they're going to repeat either one of those fates exactly, but what's left? I mean, jail is a possibility, but that somehow feels too grim for me. What do you think is the, is the point? Just from now, if you were to think like when they inevitably next year, when they give us a little bit more of that gene storyline and we get a little tag of like what the end of it all is, um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? What do you think is, is that the track that Jimmy McGill is on? You know, I'll be honest with you. I, I really don't know. Um, I'm really I really like the idea, at least with this show and like I, and maybe because it's so unique because you kind of see where this character is on on Breaking Bad that like. I, I've kind of stopped personally, like trying to forecast where this show is going because I think they've done such a good job, especially over the last three seasons. Like to kind of, I'm just buying into like learning, learning it as they kind of like piece out these little snippets of Gene or you know, seeing these character beats with Kim ending this season, kind of like how Saul ends the season four finale, you know, with, um, you know, kind of how like she's mimicking the little. The, the, the two fingers, you know, pointing at him when she walks to the shower. It's kind of like what he did at the end of the season finale the year prior. But I don't know. I, I, I really don't have any ideas. I mean, like, the, what, you, what you mentioned is, is really interesting. And, I mean, I've read a couple of different things. Um, but I, I don't have any concrete expectations. Um, I, I, I am very... I am very. I think that one of the things I'm most interested in, not, not in this main storyline, but with the Gene stuff, like, I do think it's really interesting and kind of super disciplined with like kind of how they've started these seasons off with these little clips of gene in 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 this world in the future post breaking bad um just to see i guess what 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 comes of those i guess what what happens in those in that timeline um like what the purpose of all that was um and i mean that that is post breaking bad right i mean for sure Right. Well, here's the thing. The, the timeline is interesting. We don't know how far past uh, Saul Goodman leaving Albuquerque it is. We don't know how long after yeah. he left. He, he hung out in, in Robert Forster's place until they could get him out of town. Right. And then Walt went off, too. That was around the same time that Walt left for that cabin. And right. Walt was there for close to a year, I think, and then came back. So we actually don't know if during the Gene storyline, if Jesse is still held prisoner and Walt is alive. Mm. We, we, we don't know. They've never spelled out exactly when it is. But wow. it, it could be his second month of being Gene, or it could be his going into his second year of being Gene. We don't really know. It feels like he's been in that life longer because he's got this kind of deflated aspect, like he's yeah, completely yeah, his lost his, his verve. But yeah. that also could be a symptom of him being this, he's a good con man. He plays roles all the time. So maybe he just knows he's got to be Gene. He's, you know, Gene's different. Um, but clearly from the very first minutes of, uh, of this show, they were showing a guy who we wanted to see get back to his Saul Goodman-ness. 
And then they started developing this guy, Jimmy, who we all sort of are, were sad to see him turn into <laughs> Saul Goodman. So I wonder how much he's ever actually that guy. Right, definitely. I wonder how much it's ever more than a performance. Yeah. Um, but I do associate the idea of Saul Goodman as some kind of armor or, as I said before, some kind of mojo that I would like to see Gene pull something off. At the end of this season's teaser, he did seem to be emboldened because he was getting ready to call Robert Forster. Uh, well, he called him, but he was getting ready to pay him to... to extract him again and then he rethought it on the phone call and kind of had this determination that i think i kind of likened to that moment in the desert where he decides fuck it i'm just gonna drink the piss and i'm gonna right i'm gonna gonna survive however i can you know but he's got some kind of plan so i would think that next year we would get maybe a, a little bit longer of a tease or i would actually think that they would give us they would just surprise us with a whole episode of Gene, and it might be the reason that they've got 13 episodes rather than 10, is that they do have a little bit of a wraparound to resolve. Wow. Yeah. My pet theory is that it's not insignificant that where he is is not far from where Kim is from. Right. That she's from Nebraska, somewhere near the border, and he is very close to that. So if somewhere in that last season, somewhere in the conclusion, I said before, how do you think it's going to end? My theory, and again, this is maybe my wish, is that at the end of this, <laughs> you'll realize that it was a romance. That if, if somehow in the end, Gene knocks on a door and Kim opens it, you know, on some, some ranch in Nebraska or something like that, mm. uh, I would feel so fulfilled. <laughs> I would oh feel like he, I, would, I would feel like they both deserve that because they, the one thing they have made clear on this show is that they love each other. And I think this season that was made clear again and again, repeatedly, oh, yeah. he tried to be a good guy for her and repeatedly she stood up for him or went to go see Lalo. And even Lalo was like, you love him. <laughs> you know, like he picked <laughs> up on it. Um, but I don't know. I think that that romance is so good and it's so, it's such a good adult romance, the way they relate to each other. If you've got like a successful long-term thing, you might, you might relate to the way that they, they kind of, they kind of float past each other and kind of bump into each other and they, they relate, they check up on each other. I don't know. I I feel like it's a, it's a neat relationship. And this year was like the best it's ever been between the two of them. So it was fun. It was fun to see that. Um, but yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much the show is really leaning on that romance so it can tear our heart out. Or if they know, ultimately, this is like a classic. That's what makes these characters special is that, that they seem to have this genuine, you know, the way they have each other's back has been, uh, has been a cool story point again and again. So why not end the series on that note? That's awesome. Uh, that, that'd be amazing. See, if this gets out there and then they hear that someone already thought of it, they won't do it. So I should just totally erase this. <laughs> yeah, let's just delete the file. If you look at the season as a whole, is there a big moment or a scene or montage or anything like that that really sticks with you? I'm going to, the scene I'm going with, basically the the scene from last episode with them at the apartment and, you know, it just was such a great display of like where we're going in a se- in, in the season to come. It's just like, you know, you, you, you seeing Saul get the, you know, the help from Mike with the phone call and, you know, leave the phone on, let me hear what's happening. And, and you see Saul kind of showing his ability and sticking to it and kind of doubling and tripling down on his story and embellishing little pieces of details with each time he recounts it. But then ultimately just fucking Kim just coming in and just taking over that scene. I just want what happened. I I told you what happened. Did you? Look, okay. Are you are, are you kidding me with this? Kim, really? Do you know what he did for you? Seven million dollars of your money. He hauled it across a goddamn desert without one penny missing. And he got you out of jail for a murder that, let's face it, you're definitely guilty of. 
He did everything you asked. And went way beyond what any other lawyer would ever do. So what exactly is it that you're getting at? What do you want? I found his car in a ravine. Bullet holes on the side. So, I'm just waiting to hear how that happened. Bullet holes. That's it? Uh, look, I don't know what it's like where you're from, but here in New Mexico, you leave a soda can out, someone's taking a shot at it. That, that, that's what you're on about. You don't think it's possible a couple of yahoos with guns shot up a piece of junk car and then rolled it down in a ditch? End of story? What kind of operation are you running, anyway? Tell me. Because I think I know why you sent him to do this job. It's obvious. You have no one else you can trust. Right? So you sent some lawyer through the desert with your, with your seven million bucks? That... I, no offense, but you need to get your house in order. Oh, really? Yeah, really. If you don't trust your men with your money, you have bigger problems than if you trust Saul Goodman. And for the record, he doesn't lie. Not to me, not to his clients. He's telling you the truth. But next time you have a bunch of money and no one you can trust, Leave him out of it, okay? Try a, a, a wire transfer. Try a, a shell company or, or... You've heard of the Cayman Islands, right? Jesus, get your shit together and stop torturing the one man who went through hell to save your ass. That's like my favorite scene all season. And just um, her kind of standing up to Lalo and kind of getting them out of that moment and then ultimately finding out everything that happened um, or everything that really happened um that was yeah that 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 you know those those second to last episodes you know of of series and a lot of the ones that we love are always kind of like have the, they kind of have that moment in them um or those penultimate episodes usually have those big moments and i think that was that that was that moment for this season and um yeah, I just that was just amazing. That scene is so pivotal. It's in a way I almost think that scene if Kim survives, that scene was the payoff of the is Kim going to die? Because that scene had five different ways it could have gone bad and yeah, every yeah. one of them had her somewhere in the literal crosshairs and I even thought you could see Tony Dalton, the guy who plays Lalo. He played that scene so beautifully because he was watching Jimmy tell the lie and he knew it was a lie. And the more Jimmy doubled down, the more Lalo knew that he was being lied to. And he had this wetness in his eyes, like he was actually sad that this was going this way. Like he was actually going to be sad, but he was going to pull his gun any second and just blow Kim's brains out, is, is the way that scene played. Yeah. You kept picturing, he had his hand kind of, we knew where his gun was, we saw where his hand was. Yes. He was looking at Jimmy, but he had this weird pity, almost compassion, almost like he was choked up watching Jimmy dig their graves. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy couldn't do, he was almost like trapped in a loop. He couldn't do anything but the lie. He was like, if I change my story, I lose everything right now. So he was trying so hard to bargain and it just wasn't cutting it. And he's a broken man at this point because he's just come out of the desert. Yeah. And then Kim saves his ass and her ass, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming maybe one or the both of them could have died in that 
in that scene, but she definitely turned the tables. And it, you know, even though Lalo, you don't believe he's totally done with them at that moment, but you believe he would leave when he was that sort of flummoxed by what to do next, you know? <laughs> like he could tell that something was fishy, but she made a pretty good case for like, why are you here trying to shake down the lawyer who delivered your money? You know, like, why are you, right. why are you wasting your time doing that? It was a great scene. And she was, yeah, she was so good in that scene. In many ways, that was the climax of the season. I would say that the episode before that had the shootout and Mike's big moment of, of saving Jimmy, but that was a great scene. And then uh, episode nine had that big scene. And episode 10 was a little bit more meditative, but then it had that crazy scene at the compound. Uh, with Lalo. So that was like an intense scene, but it didn't have the same weight maybe as that moment in the apartment where you thought, okay, how is this going to go wrong? The the only person in that room who we think might die is Kim, because we're pretty sure Lalo survives to Breaking Bad era. Right. And we know Jimmy does. So yeah, Kim's, she's like Nacho in that she's in many ways the character who you can actually see suddenly getting mowed down. Oh, man. Just, be just because that fate is possible. But I just don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to play her character. I think they want her to be a major player. And you don't treat a character like that like cannon fodder. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, those last three episodes just were so good, man. Just so, so strong. I haven't really looked at the overall arc of the different seasons. I think every season has had moments of triumph and oftentimes what you just described, a moment where then it kind of, it kind of tones down a little bit before the end of the season. Yeah. It did make me go, what? I have to wait a year now to find out like what the next piece of this it is. That was a good, that was almost like a, a very casual cliffhanger to leave you on where it took you a minute or two to realize all the stuff that's dangling. But when you think about it, they left you at a really good point of okay, what happens next is kind of crucial. Right. Don't. Yeah. It's like, it's weird because it's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's like anticlimactic. It, 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 there is a climax and it is a cliffhanger, but it, it's, it's, it's probably what some of the critics of the show would, you know, or people that kind of haven't fallen in love with the show is that it's kind of, you, you kind of thought that there was going to be some huge pivotal moment in this season. And while there were, they were a little more subtle, a little more character-driven, not big set pieces, with the exception of you know the compound uh, shootout. But yeah, I don't know. Like it, it it's pretty uh, impressive to be kind of like a not not a big massive finale, but but still being like seismic in its in its presence and in kind of like you know the effect it's going to have on the season that it, you know will close out this series. Well, for us to know that Lalo survived the hit and that he's probably gunning for everybody who was a part of that and that Kim is kind of flirting with her dark side very, very pointedly and that Jimmy at the moment doesn't seem to have his feet under him in terms of any sense of what he should be doing. Yeah. Leaving off at that moment and then saying, now you have to wait whatever ambiguous period of time. <laughs> it is almost like a, it's almost like a, a, it's not quite a troll I was going to say, but it is almost like a, uh, it's a very deliberate uh, anticlimax, if it is an anticlimax, because the, I think that's because that big action scene we get at the end involves Lalo, who, as much as we are interested in him, he's not one of our main characters that we worry about. Yeah, definitely. And so him being in danger doesn't really hurt our feelings too much. Like if he had died, it would have I would have had questions coming out of that. How does that line up with the story that we think we know? But I also would be thinking, okay. That was a way to end a season, but yeah, him him surviving and you. But then you think about the implications of him coming for everybody. It's 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 good, but you're right. It is it is it's good stuff. It is an it is not the the 
the sort of season-ending moment that people might have expected. That probably happened uh, an episode or two back. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, breaking down uh, Season 5 of Better Call Saul with me, Steve. I I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Anytime. Thanks a lot. As for you folks out there listening, thanks for tuning in. Um, Like I said, not the most optimal circumstances, but I'm really glad we could get this episode out. You're listening to this podcast via the FYIZ podcast feed. There's a lot of other cool shows on that feed. You can find us on Spotify uh, under FYIZ and probably other places too. We're trying to expand. Uh, If you have any comments or questions for me about anything to do with the podcast or the network or whatever, you can reach me on that Facebook page, FYIZ podcast by John. So until next season, we love you, Chris. 